Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. I want to give a shout out to any new listeners who are joining us for the very first time. We're happy to have you on board. For those of you who have been here from the start, you already know the drill. We live and die by this team just like the rest of you, and we make no apologies for that. I'm your host, Jason Kelly, coming to you from Canton, Massachusetts. If you want to find us on Twitter, you can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining me tonight from Reading, Pennsylvania is Micah Storms. Micah, how's it going? It's going well. I uh, This week with no with hardly any baseball and no socks, um, I'm in the middle of taking two grad courses. So this has been my catch-up week um, because I don't... Uh, I'm not very consistent with my grad work when the Red Sox are on. So I really grinded over the last couple of days and I'm now caught up, um, but I'm ready for the Red Sox to uh, get back going because I don't want to be doing grad work at night. So, yeah. yeah. Well, so they all get a rest and you're just sitting here grinding away, huh? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Way to go. Also joining us tonight from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Wyndham, Maine, is Terry Cushman. Terry, how are you? Splendid as always. I like using the word splendid, so that's what I went with tonight. So, Micah, with your graduate work, is that the same as like a doctorate? Clearly, I'm not educated. Um, I mean, I would have to take many more courses beyond getting my master's. Oh, okay. oh so you're your, getting your master's? Okay, I am getting my uh, yeah, my master's. All right. so. I'm Mr. Community College, so I uh, forgot what the levels were. How how were you guys like in in regular like grade school like were you guys on the honor roll or or no? No 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 <laughs> definitely not. I also changed my major like seven times through college, which is why I just did philosophy at the end because it was the easiest way to graduate at that point. So yeah, definitely not an honor roll student over here. I was like B and C's. Like my parents were thrilled. Some of my friends would get grounded if they came home with a C. <laughs> my, I got a C. Oh, high five! And uh, I just yeah, school wasn't uh, my thing. If we weren't getting suspended or expelled, my parents were happy. Or or F's F's were not tolerated. But um, other than that, uh, we were good. Yeah, I, I, I did do very well in school. I was very dedicated and I don't know. I, I was a little bit of a tryhard. I, I studied a ton and I don't know. <laughs> I'm not ashamed of it, but um, maybe I could have, you know, not been so uptight and tried to enjoy a little bit more things rather than just study, study, study. I enjoyed time. everything. That's, <laughs> that's what I did. Yeah, math is it was so bad for me. Like I was fine until you started putting letters in my math and then it all went to hell. And I, I didn't like that. And then I, I was in the criminal justice program at the community college level and they made us take physics. And the only reason I passed was because the teacher couldn't prove that I failed, the professor I should say. Uh so I got by with a D. And perhaps my uh, advisor might have helped a little <laughs> as well. They're like, listen, Terry shouldn't have been in physics. All right. He had no business being in this class. Um, so, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, math was a killer for me, too. Oh, just, God. Ugh, awful. History was my favorite. You just got to listen to the stories. You just got to love listening to stories. And there's no skills. And it's all good. 
Yeah. Terry, I took physics for fun. I, <laughs> oh. I took that my my senior year in high school. I I basically needed like two or three courses to graduate, so I had like five study halls, and the principal like pulled me in his office, and he's like, "You really can't have five study halls. Like you you got up to something." So I took physics for fun and. I, I didn't really like it, nor was I – I wouldn't say I was good at it, but I, I took physics for fun. Well, then you, you are a better man than either <laughs> No way would I have done that. I would have told him, no, I'm having five study halls, so deal with it. <laughs> you could just sleep in study hall, which was great. I'm, I'm surprised they – because what year did you graduate, Micah? If you're, uh, um, high school was 2013. Wow, so you were 12 years after me, and they were still calling it study hall. Is that what they called it at your school, Jason? Yeah, it was either called that or it was called a uh, uh, free something, free block. Free block. So it was either study oh. hall or free block. Yeah. So, and yeah, like I loaded up on those bad boys senior year. I was like, give me all the free blocks I can possibly have. When I was a sophomore, I study hall was my last period of the day. And we figured out this scam where if you put your name on the library pass to go to the library during study hall, you could leave. And then before you got to the library, cross your name off the list, and the teachers never caught on that. And then you just go home. So, yeah, it was good. I took all the gym classes I could. That was my thing. And uh, one semester was floor hockey. And I didn't think I was going to like it that much, but it was better than some other stupid classes. And I was really good as a defender getting the ball away from, you know, the team trying to score. And I could just ship it up the court to one of our better scorers. And we had this great team. And I'm like, man, I don't know. That, that was my favorite. And then me and my partner, we won the badminton uh, championship of the gym class. Uh, so that was pretty good, too. We, it was double elimination. We got in the loser's bracket right away. And then went all the way. And then we beat in the finals. We had to win twice. That's what we did. Nice. Yeah, I, I was uh, I was not quite the athlete in high school. I was a very scrawny little kid. So it was all like Me writing too. and like history classes. That, that was basically where I excelled. But everywhere else, nah. Yeah, you and I are little people. How, how tall are you, Micah? We're getting very personal um, on this episode. That's all right. I I am five eleven and three quarters. I cannot give myself six foot. You're even the, though I would love to. Actually, Cody might be over six feet. Yeah. So Charlie's five six. Jason, you're what? An inch taller than that? Five seven. Yeah. yeah I'm five nine, and I was scrawny. Even graduating high school, I weighed one hundred and thirty five pounds. Like just oh. scrawny. Yeah. And not surprisingly, you know, I, I I got bullied a little bit. You know, I'll be honest with that. And. I didn't help myself because I was very mouthy and you know, the harder they hit me, the mouthier I got. <laughs> so that's just the kind of kid I was growing up. Yeah. They don't tend to respond well to uh, the kid they want to pick on mouthing off to them. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it is what it is. Served me well though. When I uh, went to work at the jail, I, yep. a couple of times I'd break up a fight. You, you could catch an elbow. Wasn't faced any of the time. <laughs> so nice. All right. Yeah, let's just roll, man. Yeah, no. Hey, Ed, speaking of school and letter grades and, and all that kind of ties in perfectly because obviously we are at the halfway point. The all-star break just occurred. Um, it's now over. Teams are heading back to their regular season schedules. 
Um, Dave Schoenfield of ESPN put out an article on Wednesday, and he basically just gave every team across the league a letter grade for their first half. Um, and he went went through all 32 teams, you know, little blurb about the the grade he gave and sort of why he gave it. Um, Red Sox are obviously on there. A couple of notable teams are on there too, Mets, Yankees, you know. He went through all of them. Um, but for the Red Sox, he gave them a B, gave them just a solid B. And in his blurb, he sort of mentioned how it was emergence of guys like Jaron Duran and Brian Bayo that really helped sway his decision. But he admitted that he wasn't quite sure what the direction of the team would be in the second half, which I think we can all agree, you know, we're not quite sure either. It just depends on how they come out of the gate here after the All-Star break. So he gave them a B, and I was, you know, we were sort of wondering – do we agree with that? Would we give a different letter grade? And if so, why? So, Micah, what is your take on him giving them a B? And if you were to give a different grade, what would it be? I would be curious to see when he started working on that post um, because I feel like their grade would have been significantly lower if it wasn't for them winning eight out of nine games going into the break. I feel like that really kind of swayed um, his grade. Um, for me, I, I can understand a B, but I think I would go more of a B minus. Um, I think they've played really well against the better teams in baseball. They, they have a, they have the second most wins in baseball against teams with a record either at 500 or above. So they've played great against teams that, you know, you would kind of think, Ooh, this could be a tough series. Well, they take two out of three. And it makes you think that this team could be a contender. But then you look at some of the series that they've lost. Um, they got swept to Pitt against Pittsburgh at home, swept against St. Louis at home. Um, Miami is a good team, but they were still swept at home. Um, they were swept on the road against the Angels. I just I feel like teams who are contenders don't get swept as frequently as the Red Sox have. And it's kind of that Jekyll and Hyde that this team has kind of, um, it's the identity that they've kind of had all season long where you really don't know what you're going to get each series. Um, so because of that, I'm going to give them a B minus. Um, but one thing I would like to point out, if you would have told me that Chris Sale would have gone on the IL at the beginning of June, and Garrett Whitlock would have spent uh, um, two would have done two IL stints, um, and Tanner Houck would have been on the IL. I think he went on sometime in the middle of June. If you would have told me those three arms missed significant time, um, and that the Red Sox were five games above 500 go, um, going into the All Star break, I would have been like, "Wow, that's a success!" Because those are some some big injuries. Um, so I feel like they have kind of weathered the storm um, fairly well, but going into the second half, I'm not sure there's enough in that rotation unless those arms start to come back and really contribute or if they play good enough baseball down the stretch here um, before the, the trade deadline and then they acquire a pitcher. I'm not sure there's enough in that starting rotation for them to continue to weather the storm and, and contend. So that's really the question I have, but um, I think I think a B minus would be my grade for for the first half of the season. Terry, what would you give them? 
Well, I, I can't give them an F because we are five games above 500 at a point in the season where I thought we'd be pretty well below 500. Um, so I, in all fairness, I, you know, I'm going to give them a C minus and, you know, some of the pro bloom people in our audience are probably thinking, well, you know, that's really unfair, but a lot of worst case scenarios have played out. Corey Kluber, complete bust. Chris Sale, Injured as he always was. That should have been foreseen. And when you're looking at this rotation, it had a lot of question marks, and it was essentially built on the idea that Chris Sale would finally pitch 150 innings and actually lead this rotation, and that's just not happening. And we're very flawed. I mean, we we just spoke in the series preview. We're a little bit worried about some of the lefty matchups, and... Um, you know, some guys might get sat, namely Duran, uh, possibly Verdugo, most likely Casas, who's played pretty well in the last month. Um, so, and then you've got the manager. I don't think there's a guy on our crew who is hardcore pro core at this point. He's not a popular guy on this podcast and doesn't make you know, the best decisions to make the most out of what he has. Like, that's just not happening. So I think a C- minus in this case is fair. Now, if this letter grade thing was an episode two weeks ago, I'm absolutely giving them an F, you know, because they were two games under 500. They came into the Toronto series. We swept them in four games they're a very highly underachieving team and we swept them again. And then we had the benefit of, you know, three games against Oakland in there. The Texas series, I will give them credit. You know, that was a very losable series on paper and they ended up winning it. But, um, but due to timing, uh, you know, underachieving Blue Jays, historically bad Oakland. I mean, that's why we're five games above 500 right now. Yeah, I think B is too high. Um, I think C minus is maybe a little too low. I, I would give them a C plus. Um, I think they've also been very lucky through this first half in a number of different ways. I mean, you know, Schoenfield in his article mentions the emergence of Jaron Duran. If Adam Duvall doesn't get hurt, we don't see that emergence at the big league level. Jaron Duran was toiling away down in Worcester. And, you know, frankly, I think a lot of fans were happy to see him stay there. Um, now, the organization, of course, now is taking credit for, you know, sticking with Duran and not giving up on him. But let's be honest. If Adam Duvall doesn't get hurt, he's playing every day. And Jaron Duran's not getting called up because they're not going to bench a guy they just gave $7 million to. So the Duvall injury opened the door for Duran. That was Unlucky for Duvall, but hugely lucky for the Red Sox, not just this season, but for their development of the young guys going forward. Um, they were lucky in that Aaron Judge now is injured, and the Yankees without Aaron Judge are a complete mess. So you don't have to worry, worry about the Yankees sort of screwing up your season at all. They, you know, If the Red Sox keep trending the way they are and the Yankees continue to trend the way they are, you're going to surpass them pretty soon. 
Um, I think they're lucky that the Blue Jays are not quite the team everyone thought they were, and the Red Sox are undefeated against them. Now, they played well. I mean, they deserve credit for beating what is still a pretty good team, but I think the Blue Jays are being exposed as being massively flawed, especially this year. Um, and they're honestly, they're lucky that the rest of the American League is very mid, very mid, very below average, because that's why they're three games out of the wild card. If the American League had the kind of central division that the National League had, the Red Sox would be much further out of the wild card spot. The problem is the AL Central is such a train wreck that, yeah, the Red Sox, even though they're in last place, being five games above 500 puts you very close to a playoff spot because that whole division is just imploding on itself. So I think while there's been positive developments, again, Duran, awesome to see. Brian Bayo has you know turned into an ace before your very eyes. Um, that's all great, but they've run into a lot of luck as well. And – you know, if Duran doesn't get called up and if Bayo doesn't get called up and it's like those things don't happen, I wonder where this team would be. Um, and there's still a lot of very big holes on this team, too. Again, you only have three starters right now. And the GM basically this, you know, this past day came out and said, well, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how the team plays if we decide to add anybody. So, like if you want to give them a good letter grade for the first half because they're five games over 500 and three out of the wild card. Okay. But you have to take into account everything going on around them. There's been a lot of bad luck with other teams that have helped the Red Sox stay in that playoff position. So for that reason, I can't give them a B. I think C plus is right where they are. Cause I think they're a C plus team. Yeah. They'll win two out of three against the Rangers and they'll sweep Oakland, but you know, I could see them losing two out of three of the Cubs. I could see them dropping a game to Oakland for some stupid reason. That's just kind of who they've been this year. So I give them a C plus, and I don't think I could possibly go any higher than that, but at least for the first half. You're absolutely right in terms of the Red Sox being lucky. I mean, in the Duran example is, is you know, a big part of it. The bullpen games have kept us in it, surprisingly. I mean, it, if I told you that Chris Sale, Garrett Whitlock, and Tanner Houck would all go down in close proximity to each other, and and we're five games above 500, I mean, that's... It's almost impressive, but typically that's not going to go well for most teams. So um, we'll see how it goes. I think Chris Sale's getting ready. I think he might even be doing long toss right now. So that puts him probably, what, three weeks out at least. Tanner Houck just started throwing this week. Their intention is to bring him back into the bullpen uh, to get him ramped up. So... The bullpen's just an expedited way to bring him back. Um, so we'll we'll see how it all works, but it's uh it's not comfortable. And I think we talked about it on the last show. Go look at the second half of August and the entire month of September. Look at that schedule. It's pretty brutal. Yeah, they've definitely got some big challenges coming up. And 
Let me ask you guys this. So for the AL East, I'll, I'll just give you all the grades that Schoenfield gave out for the entire AL East, and we'll see if you guys agree or disagree with all that. The Orioles got an A-, minus. the Red Sox got a B, the Yankees got a C, the Tampa Bay Rays got an A, and the Blue Jays got a B-. minus. Do you think that's accurate? Do you think he got the AL East right, or – is one of those maybe too high, too low? What do you think? Micah, I'll start with you. This might be a, an unpopular opinion, but I personally think what the Yankees have done, um, despite the fact that Rodon has basically not pitched at all, and then Aaron Judge has missed significant time, it's been ugly in the Bronx. Um, their offense, they just – hired Sean Casey as their hitting coach, so it, it's not gone well. But the fact that they're seven games over 500, to me, that is super impressive. Um, I don't think that team is very good. Um, I'll go on record, and I, I think Aaron Boone is – I think he's a good manager. I, I really do. Um, I think Brian Cashman has built a terrible roster in New York, and Boone is left to try to put the pieces together that don't fit. But the fact that the Yankees are entering the second half seven games over 500 and one game back of a playoff spot, I, I think that's better than a, um, a C. Um, maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, do I think going forward that the Yankees can, can make a run? If Judge doesn't come back, I, I think absolutely not. Um, but if he can come back. I think the Yankees could be in the mix still with that pitching. Um, Toronto is they're, – they're nine games above 500, but I just – I'm waiting for Toronto to act like that superstar caliber team that they feel like at times. You know, with Bichette and Guerrero Jr., um, they're, they're pitching staff on paper. It's a pretty solid pitching staff, but I am waiting for them – to take that step forward. And maybe this is a group where they don't actually take that step forward. Maybe what they've been over the last couple of years, this is who they are. They're kind of, they can, they can bulldoze through a really good team at any time because of that offense, but they can also get swept. It feels like by the Oakland athletics at any time, because they just are that inconsistent. So um, Toronto, I feel like that's pretty accurate. I just have a hard time putting Toronto and New York with a worse grade than Boston. I, I just, that doesn't sit well with me because they, you look at the standings and they're both in front of Boston. And I just feel like, I don't, I, I think Boston should have the worst grade um, in, in the division, even though if you had to tell me, would, would I take the Yankees or the Red Sox moving forward? I think I would take Boston moving forward because I'm not sure about judge, but I, I would take Toronto um, over the Red Sox, and I would take Baltimore and Tampa Bay over the Red Sox. Um, but if we're just talking strictly first half, I don't see how Boston has a better grade than Toronto and New York. Terry, what do you think? What the Yankees have done, despite their flaws, is impressive. And I feel weird giving them credit because they've done some really awful stuff. You know, trading for Josh Donaldson is stupid. 
uh, keeping Josh Donaldson at this point, also stupid. Um, Carlos Rodon, red flags everywhere last winter. They signed him anyway. Of course the Yankees would be the team to sign him. Uh, Brian Cashman is just a, not a good... He's just not a good executive. He's a very 90s, early 2000s executive. He, he has that same mindset, and that's why the, the Yankees have only won one championship since 2000, you know. Um, but despite their flaws, their starting pitching has held its own, and their offense has done just enough. So credit to them. Blue Jays, man, that's a World Series roster on paper. That's a very good-looking rotation, and it's a very good-looking lineup, and they just underachieve year after year. Their window is closing. Like, they've almost blown it. And you look at those Blue Jays teams from the decade before, they were all offense, no pitching. Jose Bautista... Edwin Encarnacion were just two juggernauts uh, in the middle of that lineup, in the heart of the order, I mean. And, you know, not only did they make the playoffs, they went deep, you know, into the playoffs. Um, and still, you know, they came up a little short, but they didn't have the pitching at that time. Now they have the pitching, and um, perhaps the bullpen needs work, but... I mean, B minus, they could get it together and they could go on that run. I feel like analytically, there's something analytically wrong with their offense. Their offense just doesn't have the data. Perhaps they don't have the coaching that some of these other teams have to get them to finally live up to their potential, but we'll see. Uh, the Rays are who they are, and you know I, I think their letter grade reflects that. They got to stop breaking their starting pitchers, but um, but still, they they've done very good uh, from a performance standpoint and developmentally, uh, you know, getting these guys up to the big leagues. And with Baltimore, they're the opposite of the Blue Jays. They are overachieving. Like they should not be this good. When you look at that rotation, uh, I think they got a fantastic offense. But when you look at that rotation. How are they doing it? How are they doing it with Bradish and I think Wells and a couple of their other young guys? Um, I just wonder, like, if they add an arm at the deadline, like if they make a splash and, I don't know, maybe get... They got a good bullpen, too. They got that Cano guy in the eighth inning and... Um, their closer, his name escapes me. Is it Bautista? Um, yep. Yeah, they've got a fantastic bullpen. Like, y you look at 2019, who saw the Nationals winning that? They, they got hot right at the start of the playoffs, and they went on that run. 2021, the, the Atlanta Braves were sub-500 on August 1st. They go on a run. They win the World Series. And last year, the Astros won it, but the story of the playoffs was the Phillies getting hot, and I think they were up 2-1 to one in that World Series. Who's to say the Baltimore Orioles don't win the freaking World Series if they make a couple of good moves at the deadline? I just... 
what a story. And th- there's a couple of teams that could do that. Look at the Cincinnati Reds right now leading the Central out of nowhere. If they make some moves, what could happen? Same as the Texas Rangers. They probably need a starter, but there's just so many teams that could play the spoiler this year. I mean, is there, I, I guess the Braves would be the front runner. Is that who we go with at this point? I think so. Yeah. yeah. So other than that, I mean, who else is there? It's pretty wide open. If they stumble out of the gates and and blow it, and who did they get beat by last year? Was it the Phillies, I think? Um, you know, if they just run into a buzzsaw, I mean, it's anybody's. And the Astros don't look special at all this year. You know, they've been hurt, and um, Alvarez is out, and Altuve missed a bunch of times. So they, I guess they just haven't had all their guys together at once but but man watch out for baltimore that's that's the scary team maybe the rays finally do it but the i wouldn't consider the rays to be an out of nowhere you know world series winner the orioles would be yeah if i'm if i'm the rays i'm very worried about the orioles because you were talking about the blue jays and how their window is starting to close now baltimore's just opened and it's wide open. Rushman, yeah. Gunnar Henderson, you know, Grayson Rodriguez is on the way. I mean, it feels like they call up a top prospect every week now. Um, you know, this uh, this Cowers guy in the outfield, they yes. just called him up too. Last week. So, yep. And then you've got Cano and Batista there in the back end of the bullpen. Their rotation's actually been pretty solid. If they do go out and get a Marcus Stroman or someone like that, yikes. I If I'm Tampa... I'd be very concerned because Tampa hasn't shown the ability to stay healthy. And, you know, that was sort of the narrative about them when they got up to that amazing start. Everyone sort of said, well, yeah, but can they sustain it? Because there is such a thing as peaking too early. And maybe the race peaked too early. You know, McClanahan is on the IL now. It's It doesn't seem like it's too serious, but, you know, he's a guy that they burn they burn a lot through him. And, you know, they burn through their pitchers like crazy over there. So, and the Rays, you know, they rely on pitching. Like their, their offense is pretty good. They hit a lot of home runs, but they rely on their starters being able to just nail you down for five or six innings. And then they've got a good bullpen after that. Baltimore can kind of have the best of all worlds. They score runs, their starting pitching holds up, and they've got a nasty back into that bullpen. So they're the team that I think, you know, a minus for the first half. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate because it's hard to put any team, you know, exactly even or above the Rays given what they did. But Baltimore came close and their second half is looking pretty good for them. If they can just, you know, stay healthy and stay the course, um, I think they could really do a lot of damage. And as far as the Yankees and the Blue Jays and, and their grades, I agree. Like, with Micah, your point, the Yankees and the Blue Jays should not have been graded worse than the Red Sox, just given where they are in the standings. I mean, that's the whole just the classic point at the scoreboard argument. I mean, those teams are ahead of you. So, yes, they've got flaws, and the Yankees have done a lot of stupid things, you know, paying Aaron Hicks that contract and then releasing him. Still owe him, I think, like $27 million. And then he goes to Baltimore and starts hitting home runs left and right. Like, it's just the mismanagement of their roster is so bad. And anyone who still thinks Brian Cashman is like, you know, the example of what a GM should be. I, 
if you think that, you need your head examined. Um, the contracts that guy's given out, the G DJ LeMahieu contract, that's going to age like milk. I mean, it's just left and right, just bad contracts all around that team. And then you saw them free fall when Judge goes out of the lineup. Like, that's, that's just poor construction. Can't happen that way. Blue Jays can still turn it around because of their talent. I don't think they've got the manager to do it. I don't think John Schneider's a great manager, and I, I don't think he really knows how to properly deploy all the talent that he has. So I think that's where they're going to fall short. So, um, you know, the, the division is definitely going to be between the Rays and the Orioles, but those other three teams, Blue Jays, Yankees, Red Sox, I think they're all going to just take turns kind of leapfrogging each other, you know, going for that last wild card spot because they're all kind of in a similar position. So, Micah, what do you got? Um, a team that we didn't mention because we were mainly focusing on the, the AL East, but um, an underachieving team. And I don't know, I don't have the, I was trying to find the article, but I could not find it that you were referencing with the grades. But um, a team that I think has been um, an underachieving team in the first half is the Seattle Mariners. Um, and this is a team that that stunned the Blue Jays last year in, in October. Um, and it, it felt like, their window was just starting last year, and then this year it, they, they haven't quite fired yet, um, but they have the talent to have a big second half, and their general manager, uh, Depoto, he is Mr. Trades, and he is willing to make any move possible to improve that team, um, and they're only four games back of a wild card spot, so... Um, I think if there's one team that has kind of really underachieved that I could see being right in the mix um, come the end of September, I would bet on the Seattle Mariners. I like that roster. Uh, Julio Rodriguez has had a, a pretty slow first half, um, and if he gets hot and some of the other players on that team get hot, um, they're a team that could easily find themselves in the mix. And if you're, you know, obviously we're Sox fans, um, but the Red Sox don't need one more team to get into the mix of the wild card team that, or the wild card race. That just makes it that much more complicated. Um, they're really, they really need either the Yankees or Toronto to kind of fall out of the race. Um, so it's not five teams for three spots. It's four for three. And if Seattle would find a way to get their themselves in position, that just really complicates things. So um, I'm kind of on the Mariners uh, train um, looking outside the division. I could totally see them uh, making a making a push for October in the second half. Yeah, and to your point, he gave the Mariners a C- minus in this article, so I think he, he agrees with you. Yeah, Terry. You know what just occurred to me? I mean, we're talking about second half here and, you know, improving your team's what team would be desperate and dumb enough to give up a stupid trade package for Shohei Otani? I could see, honestly, at Seattle, I could see them trying because they've got, I think they've got a pretty decent farm system. And like Micah mentioned, DePoto is Mr. Trade for the big name and worry about the consequences later. So I could see him just being like, you want my number one, two, three, and four top prospects for Otani? Yeah, you can have them. We'll, we'll take it. I'm, I'm desperate for a name to get here. And I also think that Seattle, you know, West Coast, like 
I think he would feel like if I trade for Otani, I've got a chance to retain him after this as well and build a core around Otani and Julio Rodriguez, which sounds pretty appealing, not going to lie. So I could see Seattle getting in the mix there. Mike, uh, my, who's your team? Yeah, my, my answer, I mean, I agree with Seattle. I don't know their farm system as well as some of the others, and I know – they did give up um, some of their top prospects to acquire Luis Castillo. So I don't know how many um, top guys are more um, close to the big leagues. I don't have that information on top of my head, but Texas would be a team that I could absolutely see um, being in the mix because, you know, they lost to Grom for the year. Um, Nathan Eovaldi has been excellent, but if you're the Rangers and, and want to, potentially try to compete for a world series. Do you really feel comfortable with Nathan Eovaldi being your ace? I don't know about that. Like to me, Eovaldi is a really good number two. And if you acquire Shohei Otani, then he's easily your ace. And then you got Eovaldi as your number two. And Eovaldi is, he's a really good number two on a, on a good team. So I can see Texas being in the mix. I know. Um, I think last, last week we talked about the Dodgers, obviously, just because they're loaded with their farm system. But if we're just sticking to the American League, um, Seattle, Texas, I mean, Baltimore can do it. They have the prospects, but I don't see them ever considering something like that for a rental. I said this team would be a bad fit um, when we did the Otani episode a week or two ago, but... Look at the Yankees right now. I mean, it solves a lot of problems in terms of this year. You know, maybe you don't get Rodon back. Okay, so you get a potential Cy Young guy in Otani, and then you get a big bat in the lineup. And, yeah, that would force Stanton and Judge into the outfield, but I think it's getting to be desperation time for Brian Cashman. And... The one thing that might make it more appealing is you can kind of audition the city of New York to Otani and be like, this is what it's like. This is New York. And if there's this romantic aspect of it for Otani, maybe that's how you get him in the fall or, or maybe get him on a nasty extension in, in August. You know, give them that half billion dollar deal. I can't believe I just said billion. Uh, but I, I don't know. And one of my key words in the scenario was stupid as well. You know, give up the stupid package. And um, I think DePoto's pretty smart. Um, you know, I, I think he would see the potential consequences of getting him and then maybe it just doesn't work. Maybe that it just doesn't deliver. And I also think Depoto's very safe. Seattle's a not not a fire the GM, fire the manager guy. Service has been there a while. I think the owners like Depoto's aggressiveness. So um not saying he won't do it. And uh but I don't know. I think Cashman could be the dumb guy that does it. It certainly wouldn't shock me, yeah, for, for Cashman to just put all his pieces, you know, all his chips to the middle of the table, go all in for Otani. I just, I don't think that New York has the prospect package that's going to get it done. 
I, I think there's another, if it does turn into, if the angels make it clear or at least make it pretty well known that they're taking calls on Otani, like I think the Dodgers can offer a much better package. Um, I think there are other teams out there that probably have just better high ends. Like their top five prospects are probably better than the Yankees top five prospects. And I think also it's just, if you're the angels, you don't want to trade him to Brian Cashman and the Yankees. You don't want to trade him to the Dodgers either, but if they're at least giving you, you know, a King's ransom for him, you consider it. I, I just don't think they would want to trade him to an AL competitor, but Times have changed, and you know it's with the balanced schedule and everything. It's not as big of a deal to trade someone to an AL competitor, but I don't know. I, Cashman is on the list. I think you know LA is still on the Dodgers meeting are still on the list. The team I want to trade for him is the Giants. I want him to go to the Giants. I want you know just just so the Dodgers and the Yankees are out of it. Just you know get a new team in the mix to to get him, and I think the Giants could. I mean, they've got the best pitching prospect in all of baseball, I think. So, you know, you could start there and see what you can get for him. But, yeah, the, the Otani thing will definitely change the the math if something happens for the second half. Micah? Um, one thing that came to my mind when Terry was talking was I think the Yankees know more about Judge's toe injury than the rest of um, – the rest of baseball does, you know, I think they, they know kind of the extent of the injury and do the Yankees believe they are contenders. If, if judge is coming back healthy. Yeah. I could absolutely see them, you know, saying, yeah, I'll get in on that. But if judge isn't coming back or he's going to be back in September, can they really, you know, tread water for another, you know, six weeks to get judge back? I'm not sure that's possible. So I think the injury to judge is, is everything for the Yankees. And I don't think they would do it unless they believe they can sign him. And do you really think they could have Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, and, and Otani on top of that? Like, those are six or five or six massive deals. I, I mean, can you win with those type of deals and then saying, like, basically, we can't put any more money to – because if you look at the Yankees, they have a ton of holes. You know, third base. Who's playing third base? Well, we don't have enough money because we just paid Otani $500 million. We can't go out and sign a third baseman. Their rotation is, you know, who knows about Rodon, but Severino's a free agent. There is holes left and right on this roster that they really need to fill. And if you give $500 million to Otani, how do you fill those, those holes unless you go way over the luxury tax like Steve Cohen? Maybe they would because I feel like the Mets have been more of the talking point in uh, New York than, than the Yankees. And, you know, traditionally that hasn't been the case. But I just don't see how the way the, the Yankees are structured with all those crazy deals. I don't see how Otani fits into that. They could do it, but I, I, I don't know. I just feel like they then you are – you are putting all your eggs in a really small basket of players. And whew, I don't know if I would want that. I just think Cashman's stupid. I wouldn't put anything past him. Um, how long does Stanton have left? 
I'm oh, I think it. he still has five. I want to say five years left. It feels like it's a million years, really, because yeah, it was such seriously. a it was such a long contract. I'm pulling it up right now. So he would be well. I mean, I guess in 2028 it is showing. Let me just. Some of those could be options, though. Here we go. So, actually, his they could put him on the Ellsbury program, you know, where they just got rid of him. It's not that bad. So, he's owed $32 million in 2024, 32 in 2025. That's his age 35 season. In 2026, he's owed 29, but the Marlins are paying 10 million of that. So Yankees are only coughing up 19 million. Um, and then in 2027, uh, he's owed 25 million. Marlins are paying 10 million of that. So he's only getting paid um, 15 million that season. And then he's got a team option with a Ten million dollar buyout, but get this: the Marlins will pick up the buyout if uh, if that happens. So he's not. It's the the end is in sight, you know. And um, he's been on record previously saying he would veto any trade. Um, so um, we'll see, I guess, but. Otani, Judge, and Stanton, that's essentially three DHs. Um, so I I don't know. I don't know, but um, it's interesting. I mean, what's one move that can help the Yankees more than this? I mean, they, it's your they one need another stop shop, basically. Yeah, I, I think they need another bat. In that lineup, I, I I don't I think pitching wise they're okay. Their bullpen's still pretty solid. You gotta hope that Severino turns it around, um, you know, because I mean he's gonna walk at the end of the year anyway. But you know Cole's doing what what he should be doing. I think they need another bat because their offense without Judge is pathetic, and you know a lot of it's because they got aging guys who just are finally starting to hit a wall. So they need like just a a good like veteran bat adds that line maybe an upgrade at third base or something um but i i don't know if that's going to be enough i really don't so uh another interesting piece of news uh carlos rodon will be making his debut with the yankees on friday i uh was not aware of that that's a big piece for them to get back yeah so, so. yeah it's that'll change the tides for them as well um but I mean, in terms of them getting Otani, all those, all that money on the books, the only way they could do it is if Hal decides that he wants to be more like his dad, because they're kind of going through the same thing the Red Sox are going through with their ownership, where it's like they don't, the, the killer instinct isn't there, like it used to be. You know, you mentioned how the Mets are now the talking point in New York. That's true, and if John was still in office, you know, there in New York, he would hate that. He would despise that, and he'd be like, you know what? I'm just going to go get Shohei Otani just to spite Steve Cohen and the Mets. Hal doesn't have that. He 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 doesn't have that killer instinct. So I think they're dealing with a little bit of just apathy from the front office because much like the Red Sox, they put butts in the seat still. So Yankee fans can 
you know, complain all they want that the team's not competitive enough and they're not doing enough, but they still sell out that stadium. So I think that's part of the issue there. But we'll see what happens with that and the deadline. We'll see what happens with Otani and all these teams going forward. And just one last thing before we wrap, if you feel bad about the grades we gave the Red Sox, and if you feel bad about Schoenfield only giving them a B, he gave out five Fs in this article. The Athletics, uh, the Mets, the White Sox, the Cardinals, and then just to be especially brutal, he gave the Royals an F-. minus. <laughs> so if you're feeling bad about how things are going in Boston, um, especially in markets like Chicago, New York, and St. Louis, it's going a lot worse. So a B, you know, even C plus, C minus, you'll take that over an F any day, uh, as we talked about at the beginning. So with that, we will wrap up this Bastards Roundtable episode. So the weekend crew will have you guys on Monday to recap the Chicago Cubs series for this weekend. So keep an eye out for that. Until then, everyone, take care. <laughs>